You're listening to Lone Star Community Radio on 104.5 KCZWLP Conroe and 106.1 KCCZLP Conroe and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Good afternoon and welcome to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are two Texas licensed attorneys and we are here... Uh, as a public service to our listeners to talk about legal uh, questions, issues, situations. Uh, We cover different topics every week. And uh, today, Tony and I are going to be talking about the Bill of Review, uh, sometimes called the Equitable Bill of Review. Tony, have you ever done a Bill of Review? I haven't. I think uh, when I used to work... uh, with one of the law firms uh, way back, way back when I first got my license, that I had been exposed to it or somebody else was working, I was working on it with them, but no. Uh, I But I've had a lot of people ask me about how they can uh, undo a judgment that they did not know about or they felt like it was a raw deal. And uh, I, I've kind of, it's so hard to get, I kind of put them away, but that's what... You've got, you're like the ever-ready bunny. You've got more energy and than anybody I know and optimism. So, yeah, we're right. going gonna to learn to do it and start doing them all the time. Right. <laughs> and that's why we decided this would be a good topic to talk about today because it's kind of your last shot at an appeal. And, and it really does apply after there's been a final judgment. A bill of review is, is not an appeal to the underlying judgment. But it's rather a, an attack on the judgment itself. Mm-hmm. So, um, the pers- an attack on the judgment in the sense that um, you need to get the judgment to back into court. You need to get you need to get um, your dispute or your facts back before a tribunal that's fair, right? And and, and um, I will say this: um, if you have a bill of review uh, in state court, that you uh, you have the other. Just like in, in criminal cases, you can go uh, to federal court. I mean, there's, you also have the option of or getting your equal protection under federal law in some cases. So just so people know that if you need to appeal something and you feel like this is it, this is my last bite at the apple, it may not be. There's a lot of different uh, ways to get your case back into court. Because I was reading some cases this weekend where the argument was race judicata. It's already been... Right. You know, it's already been heard. You can't bring this back again. Right. And I was stunned that um, in the very recent case that's in the Supreme Court right now, Texas Supreme Court, that, um, and it was a bunch of attorneys fighting with each other um, over a land deal, um, that a a case actually went up the, the, the pike all the way to, uh, I believe it was the Texas Supreme Court, and then they the uh, they they started the case up again, and they did it in sort of a like a little mini bill of review type way. They came back around, and they were able to to get in through the back door by somehow getting this judicial issue back into court after it had already been ruled against all the way. I don't know how they did that. I need to bring that up in our next deal. But bill of review, not the not the ultimate last chance, but getting close. Right. You've got four years. You've got a statute of limitations on a bill of review. You know, for appeals, you've got 30 days. You know, you can file an extending motion in your original trial court for 30 days. Very common. 
absolutely. And then you've got 90 days to file an appeal in an appellate court. Um, 90 days in this, actually you get, you have 30 days in most, in most jurisdictions you have 30 days. Um, and I'm just talking state because JP court is different. And then, you know, you have some different, different things are going to kick in that may change your, the time that you have to file an appeal, but you get an extension if you file a motion for a new trial or a a motion for a judgment, notwithstanding the verdict. Um, sometimes, uh, well, I want to say sometimes I, I know when, when you have a bench trial and there's findings of, you you can ask for findings and factors, conclusions of law right. before, and that extends your time to appeal also. And I know that because I just had a case where we lost in court and we didn't know why, but I want to be sure because it was for the holidays that we, um, we were able to appeal. So I went ahead and I filed the appeal right then. I just said, appeal notice, not going to miss it, request my findings and factors, conclusions of law. Already had all of my documents ready so that I had my request for late findings. And um, what I found out was that when we got the findings back from the court, like about a week or two, uh, it was about two weeks ago, mm-hmm. um, I understood why we were not successful. And I didn't know that before because I, I, I picked up on the case in the middle of it. So right. I was, and I did a great, you know, I did a great, I knew I did a great job. So that wasn't, the, but I did, there was one little fact that I didn't know and it didn't come out that changed the whole uh, climate of the case. And I agreed, I didn't want to appeal. I just wanted to start over again. And so um, that's why you get an extension of when you file an appeal if you have a post-judgment motion in the trial court while it still has plenty, plenary power. Mm-hmm. Because something may come up where you decide, I don't want to appeal. And that's exactly what happened. And so I had to end up going back and um, asking for dismissal of the appeal that I filed. And it was a lot of work, but that's, oh, why. that's okay. why you get an extension. So 30 days is the standard, but you can extend that date um, if you need to get more information from the court and to find out if there was a problem with the judgment and maybe you shouldn't need appeal. You need to not, not do a start over. In this particular case, it was an eviction. So we could start over anyway because you, right. can, just, you can keep following an eviction until you get it right if, so, if they truly shouldn't be on your property. But in this case, um, bills of review, at least in my uh, experience, have been when um, somebody, just like we said, they they need to get this judgment to go away because they didn't even know it existed. Right, right. Um, yeah, and so it's typically, you typically see it when a defendant in a case, the original case, uh, suffers some sort of default judgment. And so it's usually the defendant that files the bill of review and then they become the plaintiff. It's confusing to people that aren't used to reading case law and all of that because in the original It's trial, confusing to me. Yeah. <laughs> It's, it's confusing to attorneys yeah. because you have, you're constantly having to go back and say, okay, wait a minute, who is this person? All through law school, whenever, you remember the case law where oh, we no. had to go and we had to stand up and do the recitation mm-hmm. of what it stood for? Mm-hmm. I never could figure out who was who because they were calling them the appellee, the appellant, the mm-hmm. this, the that, the movement, the, the non-movement. Mm-hmm. And the, it, it, they, the, your, the parties, um, uh, uh, what they're called, uh, what they're labeled is going to change depending on what's being brought. And if the case is going up and down the courts, yeah. then the appellee and the appellant is changing all the time. So I would have to go to the law library and literally, well, that was before we had internet. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's how long it's been. <laughs> I had to go to the law library and look at, and read the entire case so I'd understand right. what they were doing because it changes so much. But yeah. But in the bill of review, typically the defendant becomes the uh, plaintiff mm-hmm. in the yes. bill of review because they're asking the court to do something now. 
And uh, so it's typical in default judgments. Or the relator, I think. Is it the relator? Relator. Well, whatever. It's, but you're right. You just you have to look at what's going on and then figure out what the names are and then kind of go from there. Okay, so it, there are general elements to a bill of review that you have to prove. So I just want our listeners to know that it's typically the person that was sued, but it doesn't have to be. And that's exciting. So, I mean, because there are... It's exciting. Yeah, there are situations... It is to me. I'm kind of a nerd. <laughs> but there are situations where plaintiffs bring cases and for some reason those cases are finalized and there are other causes in those cases that they want to pursue and they can't because now there's a final judgment and maybe their attorneys didn't take any action. Mm-hmm. But the just to understand the typical elements of a bill of review, understand it from the perspective that it's usually the original defendant that's bringing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they have, to, they have to prove the petitioner, who is now the person that's bringing the bill of review, it goes back to the original court that the final order was signed in. And the court has lost plenary power, mm-hmm. which means their attorneys filed extending motions and those times expired or they didn't file anything. Right. So you file your bill of review with the trial court, even if there's no more preliminary power? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's... I didn't remember that. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. an interesting thing is that that appeal, it goes back to the original mm-hmm. court. They have to plead and prove. <clears throat> they have a meritorious defense to the cause of action alleged or a meritorious ground for a new trial or appeal or a meritorious claim. Do you have to serve the other party through a process server? Or I would think you'd have to because by that time they wouldn't have the same attorney anymore. Right. And I mean, it could be four years. And if you, they can prove in these grounds, well, the second one is mm-hmm. that the person was prevented from making by fraud, accident, or wrongful act of the opposing party or by official mistake. Well, if they can prove that there's been extrinsic fraud, Mm -hmm. the four-year statute of limitations doesn't even apply. Right, right. It can be longer than that. Pretty, isn't it? Extrinsic, yeah. Mm -hmm. To have admissible evidence of extrinsic fraud, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the stuff, you know, all those detective movies are made of. Right. There's some sort of a... But I I know that what we do now is we get, you know, we can subpoena somebody for the certified records, but... A lot of work. You must really want that judgment overturned if you want to go to that. That's so true. And then the third element is, this is hard too, unmixed with any fault or negligent on his part. The new plaintiff, whether they were the yes, plaintiff, that or the is defendant. difficult because I know that the the it's kind of coming back to me the few that I've done the um, if you could have been served or if you were served or. You know, it, it typically, just like you were saying, it's going to be somebody that got served with a judgment that really didn't know the ramifications of being served or may have seen it and it got brushed under the table. You know, whatever, the, you know, maybe they moved. But if they could, if they were served even, and this happens, I know this happens, if they're served by substitute service and the reason that the, per, the person trying to serve them got substitute service was so that they weren't really on notice of the case and that would be fraud. They're saying they can't find you, but they really can find you. So they're telling the judge, we can't find you, and we tried all these different times when the reality was they were there all the time. That would be fraud, but try to prove that four years later. Well, and you know what the real problem is? Agency law. If your attorney was negligent in some way, it's imputed to their client. And so that that third element, unmixed with any fault or negligence on his part, that's a really high hurdle. And remember that, people. If your attorney makes a mistake, it's like you made a mistake. Right. So you have to keep up with what your attorney is doing all the time and ask a lot of questions. Right. And try and understand their answers. Mm-hmm. And 
Google it or, uh, you know, if you've got an attorney <laughs> friend or a paralegal Well, friend. like we talked about before, you um, just communication is just critical. Uh, you can ask other people that may have been through it, but but certainly ask your own attorney. And um, if you have some question about or don't understand it or are afraid or you're afraid they're going to charge you too much if they ask you, you know, educational questions. There's so much of that that goes on. Then, um, then uh, I, I don't know what we did before Google. Then you can Google it first, but but certainly um, try to ask another attorney for some input on mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. to, to double check. Yeah, send us your questions mm-hmm. at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. And <laughs> Tony's really good at getting on those questions and answering them. <laughs> Um, okay, the, although the typical setting for a bill of review is a default judgment, a bill of review may be filed after any other type of judgment or dismissal, such as the dismissal for want of prosecution, um, the setting, uh, yeah, uh, or judgment following the full trial on the merits. So, dismissal for want of prosecution, now that makes sense too. Yeah. Um, and I know you were with me recently when I had to go argue one of those. Um uh, just the same thing. It's not the easiest thing in the world to get a judge to uh, to reverse a dismissal for one of prosecution. Uh, so you have to be very honest and uh, you know file a motion and approach, which is different from the bill of review. Of course, this is a much simpler thing because it's, it's near in time, and you only have thirty days to do it. You get a if it's dismissed. Well, I take that back. The judge is going to give you an order, and it should come to you or your attorney saying that if you don't do something, I'm going to dismiss this. And if you don't do something and it's dismissed because somebody dropped the ball, then you've got to go and get the judgment reinstated. And you've got 30 days to appeal or get it reinstated. There's that 30-day time frame again in, in state court. Um, but typically, the judges understand if something like that happens. But you've got to have a good excuse. You can't be, you know, just not doing anything at all. They don't want to, you don't want to waste your judicial time in their court. Uh, but you'll have to have the order prepared. And you can pretty much do it on your own a lot of times. And the order to have it reinstated. To reinstate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, well, so there are different settings. We talked about default judgment, and you, you hit the nail on the head when you're talking about service of process. Mm-hmm. You know, that's typically what people say, hey, I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, Sometimes they do know, though. I know a lot of people that dodge service. Oh, yeah. And it's just so much easier now to get people served than it used to be. Mm-hmm. You used to have to physically chase people around, and that was the only way you could get service, you know. <laughs> I, I mean, got this image of you chasing someone down. A hundred happened yesterday, <laughs> I, except for I didn't serve it. Someone else served it for me, but yeah, I mean, but but still we have those same archaic sort of ways in you know a way. You know what I just found out, um, and they just, got, they just started this, and I'm so excited about it. Um, Montgomery County District Clerk now allows you to um, request your citations when you've started a new lawsuit and you need to get the citation. Before, you had to go pick it up at the courthouse and then right. bring it to the constable or your process server. Or, you know, get it. You had to manually get it, your, your service and unless they certified it out. But, but you had to come pick it up if you wanted a process server to serve it for you. Right. You, can get e, you can get an e-issue now. It's brand new. I know. Yes, I, I was know. so excited. I was there at the clerk's office all week last week. Every single day I was there. You're a busy there. girl. Well, it was the same darn case. But they... They said that right now we don't allow that, but next week we will. And I was yes, like, Yay! I just got the email. Um, I, I said, I need to pick up the citation I just had. And they said, well, in the future, you can get e-issue. I'm like, what? What? Uh-huh. The world is, I was yeah. so excited. Because um, we yeah, have a new is, district. Every, everything you do, you save time if you can do it through, you know, a digital and your email. And you don't have to come down here and drive and park and pick it up and 
you know, uh, and then if they don't get served and you have to get another one, you have to come back down again. So, yeah, e-issue. Thank you, Montgomery County District Clerk. No yeah. kidding. Okay, so uh, in the typical case, the defendant has been properly served, fails to file an answer, and suffers a default judgment. The defendant seeks to set aside the judgment so that he or she may have an opportunity defended to defend against the allegations in the underlying suit. In this situation, the petitioner, who was the defendant, must plead and prove a prima facie meritorious defense to the claim alleged in the petition, which was prevent which he was prevented from making by fraud, accident, or wrongful act of the opposing party. So that's difficult even for a defendant if they are if they've been now, on read notice. That again. I wanna, you have to make a prima. Uh-huh. Okay, number uh, number one, uh-huh. a prima facie meritorious or prima facie uh-huh. meritorious defense to the claim alleged in the petition. All right, so you've got to actually Defend come forward yourself. with a a legitimate um, uh, reason that you could actually win this case. So they're yeah. not just, it's not just one of these, maybe I'll win, but you're going to have to convince the judge, I'm pretty sure I'm going to win. Right. Uh, I, I don't think that's the actual standard review, I'm pretty sure, but for right. the, our listeners and how right. I understand it, yeah. Yeah, the facts are in my favor. Yes. Uh-huh. Uh, which, number two, which he was he or she was prevented from making by fraud, accident, or wrongful act of the opposing party or by official mistake. Uh, we'll talk about that in a minute, and then unmixed with any fault or negligence on his part. Uh, so the official mistake thing. I Is mean, that the three elements that mm-hmm, you need? Mm-hmm. And then um, Dick was telling us that we have to take a break. So. Oh, we do? Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, we are here today, uh, The Legal Connection. We're talking about the Bill of Review. You can send us your questions live on Facebook Messenger, and we will try to answer some of those questions during the last 10 minutes of the show, but we'll be right back after the break. Someone you know who is hooked on vintage aircraft, follow the commemorative Air Force and its fleet of World War II planes, including the mighty B-17 Flying Fortress Texas Raiders, which is based in Conroe, Texas. Texas Raiders tours locally and all around the United States, offering the public a chance to put their hands on aviation history. What could be a more perfect gift than a flight on a historic B-17? Taking to the sky on the iconic bomber is an experience that will never be forgotten. For the touring schedule, reservations, For more information, go to b17texasraiders.org or call 855-FLY-A-B-17. A Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available on Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936 936- 
647-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Good afternoon. Welcome back to The Legal Connection. Uh, Tony and I are here today talking about the bill of review, the equitable bill of review. And it's a way to go back to a final judgment and get a court to open a case back up uh, for some reason. It can be used by the, the original defendant and the original plaintiff or the original respondent and the original plaintiff. Um. So uh, we're talking about the typical situation is in default judgments, but it can also be used uh, by a person who brought a suit and for some reason they were unable to actually um, make their claims. Um, So there's also default judgment without proper service. Um, The uh, party has to prove that the service was defective. Uh, The default judgment cannot stand in the absence of valid service process. When when um, a person isn't served validly, then they don't have a responsibility to do anything. They can just kind of sit back and, I mean, they can know about the suit, but they get a default judgment. Yeah, and a lot of people do that too. Yeah. And um, and then they're surprised by the default judgment and upset. That's I mean, a pretty risky thing to do, though. I think so, too. Because to know about the suit and not say anything. And, you know, everything is so political. Um, uh, to, to be able to argue that you didn't know about it. Um, and I guess in a small town, you couldn't do that. In a large town, it, it's, it makes a lot of sense uh, yeah. because you just wouldn't know. Um, I'm just trying to think of people that actually, in my uh, my previous experience, it, with that very issue was if they say they didn't get served, how can they prove that? And I know that we have issues with that quite a bit. Um, in a, a recent probate uh, case, the, the uh, defendant full well knew that we were trying to serve him and he was dodging. And that's very common. Right. And we had to go to the court and get a motion to substitute service and get the process server to show that he had gone so many times and what what we had to do to find them. But if that's all done properly, that's going to be really hard on a bill of review to show that. And they get substitute service, that that was a legitimate, uh, that was a legitimate reason that you didn't know about this case. So, um, and, you know, I was working Because on, they had substituted because service? The, because to get the substitute service, you have to prove to the judge that uh, before they'll grant that, that you've done all the proper things to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you tried to serve them three times. I went to their house. I called them. I, I, I sent them in regular mail, and it, it came back, mm-hmm. meaning that there wasn't the right address. Mm-hmm. I sent it in a certified mail, and they never picked it up. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of things they have to do to prove that. That's why uh, service is so important. And, um, you know, the exact same thing happened on a case that, uh, that I had been working on uh, recently. Um, a, uh, the, the parties were not served in a case, and ultimately they were not subject to the judgment in the case because that is a constitutional due process violation if you don't have the, um, uh, the ability to defend yourself because you didn't know about the case. Justice isn't done if the facts aren't um, adjudicated with fairness right. justice, okay? And um, uh, so we were looking at um, whether there was even an attempt to serve, and in this particular case, there was no attempt. It was, it was intentional on the part of the plaintiff 
yeah. to not serve this group because it benefited them. They didn't know about it. And it was in a a jurisdiction that was not where these people lived and they would never have known. And then they got what's called a, a foreign judgment and then they, they filed it in the, the deed record. Um, and no one knew, no one's, just, no one's looking at the deed record. That's no. not something that's going to come up. And then it wasn't indexed correctly, so no one knew about it. Oh, good night. So that is a, a perfect example of somebody uh, coming forth and saying, I need to build a review. Now, if it, if, but, but I think that what you may have talked about before, isn't there a time limit on when you can file a bill of review? Uh, there's four years. Unless you can prove fraud. Unless <clears throat> you can prove extrinsic fraud. Uh, and so we'll talk about a little bit about that in a second. But um, I just want to say that what you're talking about without proper service, the party doesn't need to allege or prove a meritorious defense, mm-hmm. one of the elements. And the court does not need to conduct a pretrial hearing regarding the meritorious defense. Mm-hmm. That issue, like any other, may be determined on summary judgment as as the lack of proper service uh-huh. may be uh, determined on summary judgment, or they may have a trial on that. Well, th- another case that I recently worked on, um, they were aware of it, but they were able to get the judgment overturned. Well, over, well it was still, the court still had plenary power, not with a bill of review, right? By showing that the other side didn't properly serve them. I mean, they were doing an e-serve and they were doing some other things, but they didn't follow the rules. So again, service is so huge. You can get stuff overturned when service isn't right. But if you wait too long and you're going to even lose your ability to have an extrinsic extrinsic proof to prove fraud, and that favors the person that filed suit. Um, uh, let me say that. That favors, that favors, no, that favors the person. Who's applying for the bill of review. Yes. Because because they if they can prove that they were never served, mm-hmm. then that judgment doesn't can't is infirm is what they constitutionally which, which goes to the case that I have. That's absolutely right because it goes to the case I have because when the person whether they were the original plaintiff or defendant mm-hmm. files for this bill of review, mm-hmm. whatever party they well they become the plaintiff. Mm-hmm. The defendant then is the one who's got to mount a defense to each one of those elements. So they've got to mount a defense to fraud. They've got to mount a defense to uh, a And now you're, now you're confusing me again with defendant and plaintiff. So the person that's, that has to bring forth the fraud is the person that wants the bill of review. Right? The person that has to bring forth the fraud is the person who wants the bill of mm-hmm. review. But now the defendant has to show there they've got to answer that. Right, that there yeah, wasn't any there fraud. There wasn't any fraud. But uh, that's pretty easy to prove, too, really. Fraud's difficult to prove. It sure is. Uh, there's also the default judgment loss of right to file a motion for a new trial. And this is kind of interesting for the bill of review. One of the elements is uh, that there was fraud, accident, mistake, or official mistake, right? So uh, in this case, this typical kind of case, uh, the loss of right to file a motion for a new trial, or what Tony and I were talking about earlier, those timelines for um, filing some motion in the trial court or an appeal have expired. Mm-hmm. Um in this case, uh, the petitioner must allege and prove, number one, a failure to file a motion for new trial, two, as a result of official mistake, and three, the party's failure to file an answer was not intentional or the result of conscious indifference. Number four, the party has a meritorious defense to the allegation or a claim mm-hmm. uh, made in the underlying suit, and five, no ju- injury will result to the opposing party. And so in this, that, that was all inclusive. 
no injury to it would result to the opposing party. So what do you mean all inclusive? I mean, it seems meaning like is it an R or all, are those all elements that you have to prove or those are, you have to prove one of them? No, you have to prove them all. Right. But, but the official mistake is the interesting part because that's when the court clerk fails to notify people or the yeah. parties mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the judge signed the order or the, you know, that happens a lot. I've, know, got, I've got summary judgments that the, the courts uh, here in Montgomery County um, and not as much in Harris County, have been sitting on them forever. Just, they they don't, they just keep resetting them for unknown reasons. And that's when you have to move for a speed trial, move for a trial setting. But um, but you don't know if, if you've missed a notice of hearing. That's huge. Because a notice of hearing is between attorneys. And if you're pro se to you too. If you miss that and they have the hearing, and those are easy to miss. You got stuff coming in your inbox all the oh, time. Yeah. If you miss the hearing, then you can get, and it's on submission on top of that. Right. Then there can be a judgment against you, and you won't even have that 30-day period because you just didn't know. And then you're going to explain why weren't you looking at your inbox when you're getting, you know, 200 emails a day from people you don't know and all that junk mail and stuff that looks bad and spammer mail. And, and you're afraid to open. <laughs> yeah, right. So. Well, you know, there was a case. Um, let's see. It's um, Gonzalez, the man. And um, it was 1979 case, and it's on point here. But the interesting thing is that in that case, the plaintiff's uh, attorney was never sent interrogatories, so they didn't timely answer. And so the um, defendant said, you know, they filed a motion to, you know, order him to answer the interrogatories and said we sent them, never resent them or never received them. And that's uh-huh. when they were doing snail mail. Uh-huh. And uh, so... The uh, in in that case, the, the original plaintiff, uh, the suit was dismissed, and it was inadvertently or mistakenly, I believe. I mean, the appellate court thought so. Um, uh, dismissed with prejudice. Mm-hmm. So the the appellate oh. court felt like that was just in the language they didn't really intend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To that's to, interesting. They, yeah, um, but it was it was the, faced the situation of really kind of what you were talking about differently is that. The only way they used to get this stuff was through the mail. Uh-huh. And now we have to sort through all these crazy emails and uh, hundreds of emails. But, I mean, either they really didn't send the interrogatories and they were lying, you know, the defense, uh-huh. or it got lost in the mail. And so the only proof that they had was, uh, well, with snail mail is that it didn't come back in the mail. But that, that those were in the good old days when we didn't have so, we, well, right now we have Ether, which is, that has been a lifesaver it for really me. It really has, yeah. There are a lot of unethical attorneys out there, and they will say, I didn't receive that, or they'll try to say, I didn't open that, and, and or, 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 Your Honor, I didn't see this pleading, and I'm only getting it right before, you know, court. Mm-hmm. And you know that's not true, because now, if you do e-serve, it's got a stamp on it. You can look at the log, and you can see when anybody opened it, and no one can open it but that attorney, and if they have a secretary, they have their own code. So you can see everybody that's opening this stuff, and it really has helped me quite a bit to keep, um, you know, to, to prove dishonesty, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can go to court and you can attach when somebody's received something. They can't now assert like they did so much before that, that, that something wasn't received or opened or, or, you know, try to use that excuse for not responding or, um, you know, untimely response or needing an extension or what have you, which I'm getting that quite a bit too. And it's like, why would they argue that when, when you can just attach your, your view log from your e-service file. Mm-hmm. But um, that being said, I'm really interested in that case that you just talked about 
um, where there was a dismissal with prejudice. That is so unusual. Mm-hmm. At, how would that have occurred? I, I'm going to get that, that <clears throat> case from you. Just, and like, like I have time, but I really want to understand right. how a court could do that. Now, you're interested in a bill of review today, mm-hmm. um, and, and we're working on it because you must have some clients or some casework where you've got to look into that. I do. And, um, and I do. I've got, a, I've got a, a bill of review that I'm filing in a court in Harris County. We're going to take a break here in two minutes. And, and this is a good segue, uh, dismissal of the, case, of the plaintiff's case. The bill of review, we've been talking about the defendant and a default judgment. Mm -hmm. But just, uh, I'm going to quickly go through this. A bill of review is also available to the plaintiff in the underlying suit whose case has been dismissed. Although the typical scenario involves a dismissal for want of prosecution, Uh this bill of review may be used in other dismissal situations. Because a dismissal for want of prosecution is not a disposition on the merits, the first issue to be considered is whether a bill of review is even necessary. Mm-hmm. If the statute of limitations hasn't expired, you, you don't refile. Yeah, you don't need a bill of review. However, if a bill of review is necessary, the elements are prima facie meritorious cause of action, mm-hmm. which the party was prevented from making by accident, fraud, or wrongful conduct of the opposing party or official mistake, mm-hmm. and unmixed with any fault or negligence of their own. In connection with the last element, a party to a suit is generally charged with notice that the suit may be dismissed for want of prosecution. If there's been no action in the case, and unfortunately, I just want to say again that the negligence the negligence of your attorney is attributed to their client through agency right. law. All right, right. Mm-hmm. So we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we will continue our discussion on the bill of review. Ten births will result in a neonatal intensive care stay, also known as the NICU. Overnight, a family can find themselves and their newborn baby in a critical situation. The Mila Foundation financially and spiritually assists families in need. If you would like to volunteer or become a monthly sponsor, please visit us at www.themilafoundation.org. Again, that's www.themilafoundation.org because every life matters. For those of you who like your partners, your gumbo, and your music salty, well, we're here to help with the music. Julian Shea here, host of Lone Star Country Nights Thursday, your weekly dose of roots and Americana and all the music that makes this part of the country special. We stir in western swing, honky-tonk, zydeco, Texas blues, outlaw country, and put a pinch of red dirt, and then we smoke it over a slow fire. Then listen to the results Thursday nights on Conroe's 104.5 and 106.1 and worldwide at IRLoneStar.com. Lone Star Community Radio is looking for those who are interested in hosting their own talk show with monthly and weekly slots available in Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1, and on IRLoneStar.com. Start your own podcast, create your first YouTube channel, and be on TV. Contact Lone Star Community Radio online at IRLoneStar.com or call the station message line at 936-647-3776 to take your first step into the radio world. Did you know there are more than 790 abused and neglected children currently in foster care in Montgomery County? Will you help make a difference? I'm Allie Stevens with Costa Child Advocates of Montgomery County. We train and support volunteers to be the voice of children in the foster care system. 
Kids removed from their home because of abuse and neglect. And we need volunteers just like you to advocate for these children. To learn more about becoming an advocate, please visit casaspeaksforkids.com. That's casaspeaksforkids.com. The Texas A&M AgriLife Extension Service has been dedicated to educating Texans for over a century. In 1915, the Extension Program was established under the federal Smith-Lever Act to deliver university knowledge and agricultural research findings directly to the people. Ever since, AgriLife Extension Programs have addressed the emerging issues of the day, serving diverse populations across the state. Texans turn to Extension for solutions in horticulture, agriculture, 4-H and youth, and family and consumer sciences. Extension agents respond not only with answers, but also with resources and services that result in significant returns on investment to boost the economy. Join us Fridays at 1 o'clock for the AgriLife Extension Hour. Don't forget to download the Lone Star Community Radio app from your Google Play or Apple Store. Bring Montgomery County's Community Radio with you anywhere with your smartphone or tablet. If you are in the Conroe area, tune in on FM. That's Conroe's FM 104.5, 106.1. If you are on the computer, bookmark IRLoneStar.com as your internet radio station. A Lone Star Community Radio. Broadcasting 24-7 from the heart of downtown Conroe, Texas. Health Center Southeast Texas is a federally qualified health center. We accept Medicare, Medicaid, and most major private insurances. For our self-pay patients, we have a sliding scale discount program available. Our health centers have qualified providers and staff striving every day to provide the best quality of care to our patients. Services offered are family medicine, behavioral health services, telepsychiatry, and pediatrics. We have four area locations. Look up the Health Center Southeast Texas online at hcset.com. A Lone Star Community Radio is Montgomery County's radio station with talk, music, weather, and traffic for Montgomery County. Have a question or comment about one of our shows? Want to know how to reach a host? Just contact the station at irlonestar.com or call in and leave a message at 936-647-3776. Get involved with your community with Lone Star Community Radio. Statistics show that one out of every six Texans struggles with food insecurity and hunger. And many people don't eat enough fruits and vegetables every day. The Better Living for Texans program is here to help you learn how to make healthy menu choices, save money at the grocery store, prepare quick and delicious meals, get more good nutrition in your day, and get more physical activity. Classes are fun, friendly, interactive, and free, and taught in English and Spanish. We are Texas A&M AgriLife Extension, helping Texans make their lives better. Welcome back to The Legal Connection with Tony and Cheryl. Tony and I are here today talking about the equitable bill of review or just the bill of review. And um, we want you to know that you can uh, message us live on Facebook with some questions. We'll try to get to those in a little bit. Uh, We may not have a chance, but we're talking about the plaintiff's case. You know, Tony, I mean, I know that you think about this too, being a defense attorney and and a a good attorney. You know, it's um, in one of the cases that I read about the bill of review, 
there was a case, I believe it was called Han v. Hanley, and um, it was overturned on appeal, but um, that judge said that a plaintiff can be betrayed by their attorney. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the Bill of Review is important, is that it can be used by defendants if they get a default judgment against them. They can show that it's not through any negligence of their own. But also for a plaintiff who, it's it's a really high standard because we're talking about the agency law, but there is a way around it if you get an attorney that can plead around it that um, it's really not your fault. You really do have a good claim here. Well, I mean, anything's possible. I mean, I've seen, it's almost like in life, just don't give up. There's always going to be, you know, that's just my my mantra right. is, if if you know that it's it, you know that justice isn't done and it's just some procedural problem uh, or whatever it may be mistake or whatever it may be that that you're not getting proper adjudication uh, because the facts didn't get out or because uh, maybe the law has been changed because you know there's some issues with the way that particular law was interpreted and it's going to be I mean, it happens all the time right so um, I. You have to keep going forward, and so I've seen so many times. You just go. It's always all the attorneys I've talked to, all my professors, you know, just all the way down the pike. Just if you think you've got a shot at it, there's going to be some avenue for it, whether it's a different jurisdiction or a different angle, you know, whether it's race judicata or you know um, equitable estoppel, whatever it may be. Um, you should try. But um, the bill of review, you know, I was, I was reading this handout, and it, and I felt good to see that even the author of this says. Many attorneys may never encounter a bill of review, mm -hmm. <laughs> but that should not be because they do not recognize its potential application. It's true. I mean, I've been aware of the bill of review, but I'll be the first one to say, wow, with all the problems going on in the world, are we really going to go to that drastic and difficult uh, of an extent with that, you know, uh, a kind of an archaic uh, provision to get justice when you might just be able to refile in a different court uh, or something? But Again, I've done bills of review, and but you're doing one right now. I want to hear about sort of without name names or whatever. Right. Why is that going? Why have you chosen to to go that direction? Well, because my client uh, had a a judgment that a final decree that was entered, and I, I believe suit was started in 2015, and the judgment was entered in 2017. And in that decree, it was a divorce proceeding, but in that decree, my client had causes of action against one of the defendants. One, mm -hmm. You know, obviously, it was a divorce petition, so mm -hmm. one of the defendants was the person she was married to, mm -hmm. but then she also joined some other parties who were... Just like in our other shows where we talked about how Michael Brown had 30 uh, entities that were being sued because exactly. he had created them during the marriage. That's right. Okay. And so that's what had happened. She brought them in. And uh, then in the divorce uh, decree, the judge said, uh, well, I recognize it's in the decree that, that the party who is now my client has several other causes of action that can continue, mm -hmm. but I'm granting this final decree of divorce. So, so the judge signs the decree of divorce, and her attorneys at the time didn't take any other action. And so the judgment became final, and when it did, her cause of action against these other parties stopped. So in died. other words, the attorneys um, either dropped the ball or, for whatever reason, didn't pursue the 
the outstanding claim. Right. And the judge signed a final judgment disposing of those claims. Yes. And finalizing it without her getting, I say her, it could be he, but them getting justice. Right. On those claims, okay. Right. So that was that would look like a, a mistake, and you should be able to get a bill of review because uh, logically, if I was the judge hearing that, I'd understand that, particularly if it's documented in the files, that there was a mistake. Well, that's kind of what I think, official mistake. But I'm going to argue that official mistake extends to the judge in the fact that they acknowledged in the decree that there were ongoing causes of action and then signing the final judgment. But I think we're going to— You have to prove official mistake. That's one of your options, correct? Right. Okay. Yeah. You don't even have to prove it. The judge could be—I guess judges get voted out, too. And if the judge—I don't know if the judge is even there anymore, but— They're not. Oh, it's easier if the judge isn't there anymore. Right. That's kind of what I think. And we have that over— The judge is there. You're up against them saying you made a mistake. You're never going to win that. Right. But we have that overturn in Harris County with all those new judges. And so yeah, with I'm, the election, uh-huh. uh, people were voted out. But my client's attorneys, so the original attorneys on the divorce suit she got rid of, so right at the end, there were some new attorneys, mm-hmm. and then the judge fin- signed the final order, the final judgment, and her new attorneys requested a hearing, uh-huh. but it was denied. Requested a hearing on these causes of action. Oh, really? But that judge denied the hearing. Denied the hearing after she signed the judgment disposing. Yes, but it was the, the court still had plenary power. Yes. Oh, well, that sounds like political. It does to me too. Mm-hmm. Something else, depression. Aggression. That's right. <laughs> Aggression. That's right. Something else was going on. Yeah. And uh, it's interesting Campaign because contribution. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's interesting because uh, the denial of the hearing is sealed. It's um. I can't remember what the word is, but you can go through and view all the images, and that one has been withdrawn. Yeah, but that's when you mandamus that, because that would be a, a judicial, um, with it, you don't have redress in that court. So what do you do when the judge makes a wrong ruling, an official ruling that's incorrect? That's mandamus. So I and have her to, attorneys never did that. And, um, and so, and she is held to be, you know, their, I guess, um, uh, she's she has whatever they do is it comes to her as though she's done it too, so she's kind of stuck with their actions. Um, and most people aren't attorneys, so they don't know what their options are. She wouldn't have known to ask for that, right? And then there was just confusion all along. And then that sort of do you want to spend even more money on suing those attorneys? Which is what, again, going back to my my big example case, Rachel Brown sued her, you know, attorneys, their gazillion dollar attorneys, because she felt that they had not properly represented her, and um, and then that went, you know, all over the place, uh, and that eventually settled because she had enough money to do it. The problem is people don't have money to sue their attorneys. Right. They don't, they're, they're to, to sue the very attorneys that they hired to sue somebody else. And paid. Layers of legal, you know, conundrum that nobody in this life wants. We just want peace. I know. <laughs> I know it's really unfortunate, but... Um, Anyway, this is the only option that my client now has to try and get her business, control okay, of her so business. So you are going to take that, you know, little devil by the horns. And- well, what I did was I filed suit in another court, but I'm also okay. filing the bill of review. Okay, so you, ha- you filed suit in another court to bring the the claims back into mm-hmm. a court. Oh, well, 
See, immediately I'm thinking you're going to have a, a race judicata issue. I know, but you just said that that would be, I mean, I'm listening to what <laughs> you're saying. That would be another, you know, rather than a bill of review, that would be another thing to try and see well, where you get with that. Certainly, um, they, but when you file it, you have to wait for them to come back with the response that it's already been filed. And I'll tell you what, I literally just read a case where um, somehow, some way, and it was a gazillion dollar case, I mean, there was so much money involved here, um, where, and these were all attorneys suing attorneys, where they won, they, they lost in court, they went to the appellate court, they won an appellate court, it went back, they're all ha happy, you know, kumbaya, this is great, mm -hmm. not with each other, but with you know, themselves, and um, they turned around, and the one that lost turned around and got, filed the case again in the same court. And it went forward somehow because he asked for it to be reopened. It was yeah. the craziest thing. So everything's possible. We'll Never see give what up. happens. I'll keep you posted. Okay, guys, thank you for listening. Um, during the week, you can send us your questions at questions at legalconnectionshow.com. We will read those on the air in the last section of our show. And also you can download us on Google Play or iTunes, and you can listen to us anytime during the week. We're going to be here next week, 12 to 1, 104.5, 106.1, Our Lone Star. And don't forget, serve God by serving others. That's right. Y'all have a great week.